The jury believes Taylor is a continuing threat to society. Investigators say Taylor and two accomplices lured Gutierrez from a bar, tortured and killed him, all so they could steal his car for a bank robbery back in 2012. Taylor was convicted last week on three counts of aggravated murder and one count of intentional murder. While Taylor has never or has been sentenced to death, he may never be executed. That's because Governor John Kitzhaber has put a halt to executions in the state of Oregon. Welcome to Death Mysteries. This is your host, Kingman Von Graham. And as promised, I am going to do a death penalty only show for tonight. That clip you just heard was a news report from 2014 about David Ray Taylor. And he has an extensive criminal record. And he fancied himself a bank robber. He kidnapped a young man who was only 22 at the time named Celestino Gutierrez. And he and his accomplices killed this young man for his car so they could pull off a robbery. Needless to say, people who are trying to live a life of crime usually aren't smart enough to live a life of crime. We're glad he was caught, but his sentence will probably never be carried out. And he will likely spend the rest of his life in prison in Oregon, you know, doing whatever they do. I mean, they've disbanded our death row, so he'll probably be in gin pop. Probably get to play cribbage and pinochle. Maybe even make some uh, prison buddies. Who knows? Ah, <sighs> such is life. What if I told you that this was not Taylor's first murder? In fact, in 1977, he murdered a young woman who was a gas station attendant. He used a shotgun to shoot her right in the face. And while in prison, he was not a model prisoner. He was known to the prison psychiatrist as having severe emotional problems, severe anger issues. But after 27 years, they let him out anyway. And shortly after getting out, what does he do? He hooks up with other criminals, people who are trying to make a living robbing banks. And he goes back to his old tricks, murdering people. Is he a good case for the death penalty? I would say so. Is he going to get the death penalty? Not in our current political climate. So if David Ray Taylor was released from prison sometime around 2004 and committed this murder in 2012, that leaves a space of about eight years where he could have committed other murders. And I do think he's a strong suspect for other murders given his disregard for human life and his track record. And another very curious part of this case is that he dumped Tino Gutierrez's body in an area very close to where he dumped the body of his first victim back in 1977. And I looked at photos of this guy. He has the look, the mean look, uh, that look of uh, a homicidal maniac. And I've looked at a lot of photos of criminals throughout the years, and he kind of looks like an old-timey uh, well, in researching the death penalty, there's a lot of people who get put to death. And I look at the old-timey photos from 1900 to 1940, and he has the look of those same kind of guys who killed people back then. He just sort of looks like them. It's kind of interesting. Anyway, look up his photo if you want. 
So this isn't gonna be a rant about just one case. I think I'm gonna go through some of Oregon's most famous death penalty cases, and I'm gonna start with one close to home here, uh, a case from 1988. And I'm gonna dedicate this segment to one of Mel's friends, a Dutch lady named Sabina living in Germany. And I actually found this case, it popped right up, a hometown hero, well, let's uh, use that very ironically, a man named David Simonson and an accomplice, Jeffrey Ray Williams, kidnapped, raped, and murdered two German tourists on September 3rd, 1988. And I do think it's curious that his middle name is Ray. You're going to hear the middle name Ray a lot. So Jeffrey Ray Williams was living in Ashland at the time of the crime, and David Lynn Sorensen was living in Medford. They had both recently started to shoot methamphetamine a lot, and they thought, hey, it's Labor Day weekend, let's go to the coast, let's shoot some meth, and let's see if we can kidnap two nice young women, rape and murder them, and throw their bodies on the side of a road. I'm sure that's what was going through their head. So. The only sighting of these two monsters with the two victims actually occurred at a little cafe in Smith River, California, which is right on the Oregon-California border. The waitress at the cafe remembers two German women who were likely Una Tuxen, who was only 24, and Catherine Reith, who was only 22. They had been traveling up and down the West Coast, sightseeing and having a good time as uh, young people and, well, and old people are wont to do when they are in a foreign country and they probably had their guard down. And they probably, I don't know if they're too familiar with people shooting meth in the 1980s in uh, Germany. Actually, they were living in West Germany. This is before the Iron Curtain fell. Um, anyway. So these two guys were high on meth. They see these two ladies, and it said they were having a cheerful or polite conversation. Who knows how cheerful and, and good it was. Uh, but somehow they were able to lure these women or forcibly take them with their sawed-off shotguns, and they took them to a remote location where they raped these two women, and then they, uh, well, they tied them together and then they shot them both in the face. Their bodies were found a few days later by a couple who was out on a remote access road in Coos County, Oregon, and they were out for a four-wheel drive trip, and they pulled over in a pullout, pulled over in a pullout, and they looked down and they saw some clothing and they discovered uh, Una Tuxen and Catherine Wright, um, dead, tied together, and their heads half blown off by the shotgun blast. And um, David Lynn Sorensen actually confessed to this murder. The police actually had a very difficult time making an ID. They contacted California, Washington, Idaho, and they were looking for two missing women, and they didn't get any response. And so they started looking more at our two victims, and they noticed that their hairstyles were a little odd for Oregon or even California or Washington. Uh, and one of the detectives actually thought, hey, um, this kind of looks like a European hairstyle these two young women are sporting. And then they looked on the clothing that was found with these two women, and they were brand names from 
manufacturers that are only available, well, pretty much only available in Europe at the time. This is pre-internet. You know, if somebody's wearing European clothes back in the 80s, they probably bought them in Europe. So that was their first clue. So they reached out to the German embassy and through a lot of detective work, they were actually able to make an ID. And it is interesting to note that their bodies were found 120 miles from Smith River, Oregon in Coos County, Oregon. Uh, so that's 120 miles of hell these women were probably put through by these two monsters before they died. And this was a huge effort on law enforcement's part. They actually got Interpol involved and the FBI because they crossed state lines from California into Oregon. So these two monsters had a lot of heat on their tail. You might be wondering how they got caught. Well, David Lynn Sorensen, being an idiot, was shooting meth with somebody here in Medford, and he mentioned to this meth associate, hey, uh, I killed two women with, uh, with a shotgun. Oh, and my buddy, Jeffrey Ray Williams, I'm sure he didn't call him that, was there with me. We abducted, raped, and murdered these two women. Well, this meth associate obviously had a heart because we know that not all addicts are monsters. Um, a lot of them are just addicts. In fact, most addicts are not monsters. And meth is one of those drugs that, I, you know, I'm for legalizing drugs. But meth is one of those drugs. I'd like to see it still be illegal. And we just passed a, a, a law here in Oregon decriminalizing all hard drugs for personal use. That doesn't mean they're legal, but if you do get caught with them, you're offered treatment and you can pay a fine, kind of like a parking ticket. But I digress. Methamphetamine makes people do some really gnarly stuff. There's a strong correlation between meth and child molesting. There's a strong correlation between meth and murder. It turns people into crazy, violent psychopaths. I've seen it firsthand in people that I've known. It is not a good drug. So after this friend called the Jackson County Sheriff's Office, uh, the, well, all the law enforcement, and there was a lot involved with this, they actually did a raid on both suspects at the same time in early morning hours uh, in mid-September. And Sorensen immediately gave up the ghost. You know, he... I don't know if that's the right term. I think giving up the ghost is when you die and this guy is not dead yet and he's on death row but will not be executed. Anyway, so he gave up a confession. He agreed to be videotaped. I mean, what an idiot. And he, you know, it, there was some legal proceedings later to try to throw out his confession. You know, he's high on meth. He's not thinking straight. Well, the confession stays. The jury saw it and they convicted him and his buddy, Jeffrey Ray Williams of first-degree murder, robbery, abuse of a corpse, kidnapping, torture, you name it, and they were both sentenced to death. And one happy note in this story is that Jeffrey Ray, Jeffrey Ray Williams uh, was going through kidney failure, and he actually just died on September 22nd, 2020. Aw, poor guy. Well, we don't really feel bad for him, but he was never executed, you know? He died on death row of natural causes, and he was actually transferred to a medical facility and kept alive using kidney dialysis machine, shit, machines for years. I mean, this is just appalling. Um, 
you know, not only do we not execute people, we make sure that they stay alive. Oh, and uh, David Lynn Simonson is such a chicken shit that in his videotape confession, he said Jeffrey Ray Williams forced him to shoot these two women, forced him to commit all the violence, and his attorney at trial actually tried to say that he wasn't doing any of this out of his own volition and that Jeffrey, Jeffrey Ray Williams was directing his every move and controlling him and had started injecting him with meth like he's not the one doing it. I mean, just a complete cop-out. I mean, the guy still, to this day, has not taken any responsibility for this crime, uh, apart, apart from confessing to it. But, I mean, he's like, I confess, but... I uh, I did it because I was forced to, and poor me. And I and he even brought up coming from a broken home, and just he's the victim. He's the victim. I mean, what a piece of shit. Anyway, I really hope he doesn't end up playing cribbage and pinochle for the rest of his life, and laughing and joking and smiling. You know, ah, what a piece of shit. Anyway, so I'm just gonna go through the list of the other inmates on Oregon's death row. I thought it was 34 people. It's actually down to, I think, 27 now. I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on each of these guys. We're gonna come back and revisit them later. But the longest serving inmate on Oregon's death row is Randy Lee Guzik, and he committed his crimes in Deschutes County, and he basically killed uh, two people, um, Rod and Lois Hauser of Terraborn, and uh, he was 18 years old at the time of his crimes. He shot both of them, chased the woman, uh, Lois, up a staircase and then finished her off in a closet. And uh, this was all for a robbery. He ended up ripping the jewelry off of poor Lois and ransacking the house. And his associate, his co-collaborator, uh, Donald Cathy, testified against him and received a life sentence so basically they both received the same sentence in the long run and curiously randy lee guzek's father joel c guzek who is 70 years old is serving a life sentence for rape incest manslaughter and other charges so the turd doesn't fall far from the idiot's asshole the next monster on our list, and I'm going to call them all monsters, and remember how I said in my last episode that I was going to try to find some cases where I thought people might be innocent? I looked. I really don't think any of these guys are innocent. Anyway, Michael Martin McDonnell was sentenced to death in 1988, and he was actually serving a 10-year prison sentence for perjury and theft, and... He walked away from the Oregon State Penitentiary Farm in 1984. And while he was escaped, a nice young woman named Joey B. Kiever, who was only 22 years old at the time, picked this guy up and he stabbed her to death. 42 times he stabbed her while she was giving him a ride to Roseville. And he murdered her, kicked her out of her own vehicle, and then kept going with her truck. So yeah, this guy was already supposed to be in prison and he escapes and then he commits another murder. So they give him the death penalty, which we'll just call the death life in prison penalty. Our next guy uh, is Marco Antonio Montez. And he was also sentenced to death in 1988, 
1988 was a good year for the death penalty here in Oregon. Um, Marco Montez was working as a strawberry picker in the fields of Multnomah County, which is where Portland is. And he met another strawberry picker named Timothy Akins. And while they were in the field picking strawberries in the hot sun, there was a young woman there named Candace Straub who was picking strawberries beside them. And these two guys said, hey, babe, you want a party? We got a hotel room. And they invited her over after they got off work in the strawberry field. And they tied her up and they beat and raped her and strangled her and then set her body on fire. Uh, and then they split town. So uh, Marco Montez was actually arrested a little bit later on in Idaho. I guess he was going to go pick some potatoes or something. Uh, but he ended up getting the death penalty, the death life penalty. And yikes. Um, he's kind of young still. I mean, he's born in 62. So uh, the taxpayers will be paying for this guy for quite a while longer. Robert Paul Langley committed his crime in 1989, and he killed Anne Louise Gray and Larry Richard Rockenbrandt in separate incidents, um, both in 1988. Uh, there we go again, 1988. Um, <clears throat> and he received two death sentences and two separate trials for these killings. So Robert Paul Langley was actually living at the time in a state mental hospital when he committed these murders, and he buried Larry Richard Rockenbrandt underneath a cactus garden on the grounds of this mental hospital. And, uh, yeah, he was undergoing therapy, and he basically had a day pass to go out, and he went out and committed a couple murders, brought a body back, buried it on the grounds of the hospital. I mean, they obviously weren't watching this guy enough, and that psychiatrist probably didn't see this coming. Yikes. Here we have another winner, Clinton Wendell Cunningham, and he was actually an Oklahoma resident who came to the Beaver State. That's what we call Oregon. Um, and he kidnapped, raped, and murdered a 19-year-old named Shannon Faith, who was actually from British Columbia. Um, he picked her up hitchhiking near Coos Bay. And uh, they spent the day driving around, drinking beers, hanging out on the beach. I mean, it sounds like fun to me. Um, so that's how they spent their day. And, and at the end of the day, he stabs her 37 times and then dumps her body on a logging road out near the little community of Elkton. Um, his sister testified at the trial that he had beat her, sexually molested her, raped her. So this is another incestuous monster. Um, and actually had stabbed her before. Uh, and it, I guess it went unreported or something. Um, so this guy, who knows if he has other victims out there, but he probably does. Another one from Multnomah County is Ernest Nolan Laches, and he was sentenced to death in 1993, and all these guys are still on death row, you know, 20, 30 years later. They're not going to be getting executed. Um, they're going to be, actually, they're going to be probably put into the gin pop, uh, maybe underneath protective custody at some point, but we are disbanding our 
death row here, just like in California, and these prisoners are going to just be commuted to life, I guess, and then put into the general population, and they'll probably commit more murders. Um, there's actually a trend here in Oregon. Some of the people on our death row actually went to prison for something else and then committed a murder in prison. And in Oregon, one of the few ways you can get the death penalty is committing the murder of another prisoner while you're already in prison. So, Launches actually killed a security guard in 1992 when he was trying to commit a theft and got in a gun battle with the security guard and was sentenced to death for that. Which, um, I've seen people get sentenced to death for a lot more than that. Uh, that's actually one of the lesser crimes on our list here. Next on our list is Carl Anthony Terry, and he actually looks like Jax from Son of An Sons of Anarchy in his mugshot and trial photos. Um, and he was sentenced to death in 1995 when he was only 23 years old. Um, 22, 23 years old. And he actually committed his crimes in Clackamas County. He was actually camping with his friend Dale Brown to celebrate Dale's birthday and his other buddy, Jeffrey, who was actually Dale's brother. Uh, so all three of them were camping, and Carl Anthony Terry woke up in the middle of the night, grabbed a samurai sword, and killed the two brothers in their sleeping bags by hacking them to death. That's pretty crazy. That's actually one that I'm probably going to look into a little bit more. Um, maybe he didn't do it. I don't know. This is the first one where I'm actually thinking maybe we'll do a, another episode where we dive into that one a little bit more i mean samurai sword hacking to death that's a you know we get a lot of gun murders and a lot of strangulation murders but not a lot of samurai sword murders interesting so matthew dwight thompson committed his crimes in multima county um, a lot of these are portland specific because it is the biggest city in our state um curiously we don't actually have anybody who was sentenced to death in Jackson or Josephine County uh, in all my research. I mean, it, it's happened in the past, I mean, but these are current prisoners. Um, we've definitely executed people around here, um, but it's been a long time. Nobody currently on the death life sentence row is from our area, but that could change. So this Matt Thompson character was hanging out at a local bar in Portland, and he was getting real drunk, and he got 86th from the bar. And what does he do? He gets a knife, and he comes back to the bar, and he murders Andrew J. McDonald, um, who was at the bar, and he also stabs the, the owner, um, well, the wife of the owner, Deborah Oneida, but she survived. And then he's walking down the street after that, and he runs into some guy, a random stranger named uh, random stranger named Paul Witcher, and he stabs that guy to death too. Uh, yeah, uh, he he basically stabbed these people a lot of times. Um, he stabbed each of them about 40 times. So he was just drunk and on a homicidal rampage, and, you know, he was the victim. He'd been kicked out of this bar for him. There's a lot of bars in Portland, man. Go find another one, or maybe get some help and go to AA. I don't know. But uh, obviously this guy was in an alcohol-fueled rage and had other issues. Um, if I had more time to look into this case, I could probably find out that he was a bedwetter or... God knows what else was going on in his personal life. Maybe his girlfriend had recently dumped him. Maybe his best dog died. I don't know. 
Oh, and he was sentenced to death in 1996. When I looked up his criminal record, he had actually been convicted in 1989 of stabbing two other people uh, and a couple other assaults. So this guy had definite violent tendencies. He shouldn't have been out on the street, and he should have been receiving some kind of mental help. So next on our list is Michael James Hayward, and he was also sentenced to death in 1996. So Michael James Hayward actually was serving a life sentence for killing a convenience store worker with a metal bar, a woman, and he smashed her brain in, and he assaulted another convenience store worker at a different, another woman at a different convenience store with the same metal bar, but she miraculously survived with a cracked skull and lost about half her blood. She testified in court and he was convicted and sent to prison for life. Well, while he was in prison, he and Gary Hoogan uh, actually conspired and killed another inmate, and that's how he ended up on death row. Oh, and when Michael James Hayward was on trial, the uh, news media made a big deal out of how he and his co-conspirators in the metal bar smashing head cases actually went around town listening to death metal, and this was back in the you know, satanic panic era of era of the era uh, uh, of the uh, United States when we thought that death metal made people into violent criminals. So they made hay, they made hay with that. You know, they <clears throat> they basically tried to blame some of his crimes on death metal. How ridiculous! Next, we have the only foreigner on our death row a man named Horatio Alberto Reyes Camarena was actually convicted of murder in 1997 he's a Mexican national and there was actually a lot of legal fights surrounding his case because he said that he wasn't given access to the consulate when he was first arrested and he had a lot of appeals and he ended up on death row and what was his crime? Well, his ex-girlfriend, who had left him, he got real jealous. He went over to her house, and he stabbed her to death. Her name was Maria Zatina, and he actually stabbed her sister, Angelica Zatina, and he dumped their bodies on uh, along Highway 101, and he thought he'd killed them both. But Zatina, was Angela, eh, Angelica Zatina, the sister of his ex-girlfriend, was a strong woman and she survived despite being stabbed 17 times and she found help and she told the police who did it they picked him up and she testified at his trial oh and this Horatio Alberto Reyes Camarena despite being given the death penalty for these crimes and I'm sure there's more to it than I just went over he is actually another Another medical patient being kept alive by the state and receiving kidney dialysis so that not only is he not going to receive the death penalty, we're going to keep him alive longer. Like, I mean, it's not like I'm for mistreating prisoners or not giving them medical care, but if they're on death row and we're going to artificially keep them alive, that kind of seems ridiculous to me. I don't want the guy to suffer. I mean... I want these people executed if they're supposed to be executed for their crimes. I don't want them sitting on death row till they get old enough and sick enough that they need to be on machines to keep them alive. I mean, I'm sure my audience can see how ridiculous this is. Uh, 
Anyway, the next monster on our list is a, nam uh, a man named Conan Wayne Hale. I like the name Conan. I don't like this guy. And he was convicted of murdering his ex-girlfriend when he was 23 years old. This guy was 23. Guess how old his ex-girlfriend was. Her name was Kristen Bindele. She was only 15. What kind of 23-year-old has a 15-year-old ex-girlfriend? This piece of shit. He's a fucking child molester. Okay, so not only did he kill Crystal Bindele, but he also killed her current boyfriend, a man named, or a boy, a man, a boy named Brandon Williams, who was also 15 at the time. And if that's not bad enough, he killed a 13-year-old boy who just happened to be a witness named Patrick Finley. Uh, so he kills these three children, one of whom he was a child molester and had victimized that he considered his ex-girlfriend. I mean, come on. That's not your ex-girlfriend. That is a child that you were raping, you fucking monster. Uh, anyway, um, some interesting things about this case. Uh, you know... They, they tied this all together. This happened back in 1995, but he wasn't convicted till 1998. Um, yeah, there, there's some interesting things about this. There was a lot of uh, appeals, and this guy, actually, Conan Wayne Hale, this fucking child molester, child murderer, he actually brought up these, this legal fight because... He considered himself a Catholic. I mean, come on. You're praying to God. I, this makes me want to play um, George Carlin when he talks about the death penalty in one of his comedic screeds, one of his very adept uh, analyses of our society. Talks about you know how we should be crucifying people uh, and bringing back boiling and you know all the biblical ways of executing people. Anyway, this guy fancied himself a Catholic, and he confessed to his Catholic priest, and the state of Oregon recorded his meetings with his Catholic priest and tried to use those against him. And it went all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court ruled that, no, even though this guy is a piece of shit, child molester, child murderer, um, he does have the right to talk to a Catholic priest and receive some kind of spiritual comfort. And if I was that Catholic priest, I would probably be squirming in my priest garb. Uh, I'd be sitting there going, God, I, you know, I know I'm supposed to love all of God's children, but this guy is a, a demon, you know. He's a demon. Um, gosh, I wonder if he was high at the time. I mean, I wonder if he was, you know, had schizophrenia. Who knows? Anyway, it went all the way to the Supreme Court. You can't record people when they're meeting with their spiritual advisors, even if they are literally satanic beasts themselves. Um, so we're getting close to done here. We've only got a couple more left. JC, uh, Jesse Caleb Compton. That's a hard name to say. He was sentenced to death in 1998. He was a methamphetamine addict. He was really high at the time. And he actually is convicted of killing his... Uh, he's another child molester, child murderer. I mean, do you want these guys to live on death row for... Uh, he was only 20, 21 at the time of his crime. I mean, we could, be, we could be paying for this guy to be on kidney dialysis machines 
and having liver transplants, God knows what we're going to be paying for for the next 60 or 70 years to keep this child molester, child murderer alive. Anyway, he killed his girlfriend's three-year-old daughter by tying her up, raping her, and actually shocking her with an electrical cord that he had put into a light socket and had bare wires. I mean, he tortured this three-year-old little girl to death while he was raping her. You know, his victim would be 20... Gosh, his victim would be 25 years old, and her name was Tessalyn O'Call, but she didn't get past her fourth or third birthday. I mean... Jesus Christ and her mother was complicit in the crime and she was actually uh, I don't even want to say her name her name was Stella Ann Kaiser and she was complicit in the crime knew what this monster was doing to her three-year-old daughter and she is actually serving a sentence of life without parole for her roles in the crime but uh, next on our list is Billy Lee Oatney and he was sentenced to death in 1998 when he was 26 years old and he apparently kidnapped a woman named Susie Larson who was 34 years old and about to get married Um, she had her whole life planned out he went into um, her graphic art studio he kidnapped her raped her and suffocated her to death I can't find that much about this case. This might be one that we could look into um, because he doesn't seem to have an extensive criminal record. I mean, maybe he didn't do it. I don't know. This is the only one I've found that, you know, isn't super obvious that he's the one who did it. It must have had some kind of forensic evidence. Maybe I'll look into this one a little bit more. Next, we have our third child molester, rapist, murderer on the list, a guy named Jeffrey Dan Sparks, and he kidnapped a 12-year-old girl named Lacey Renee Robancho in Lafayette, Oregon in 1998, convicted and sentenced to death in 1999. Um, She was walking her bicycle home from going to the store to buy some candy or something, and... uh, He kidnapped her, raped her, murdered her, and then hid her in some uh, blackberry bushes. Um, I assume they convicted this guy due to DNA evidence and other forensic evidence. Uh, He's never admitted to any of this, uh, and he's never confessed, and his appeals have been going on for a long time. And our next... Uh, our next criminal who is sitting on death row is named Eric Walter Running and he used a shotgun to kill his ex-girlfriend Jacqueline Anderson and her current girlfriend Barbara Gilpin Um, so he killed a lesbian couple because he was jealous and uh, that's pretty much it Uh, double slang for jealousy um he claimed that he was having a psychotic breakdown and that he was drunk at the time, and that's why he shouldn't have been convicted. I mean, that's not an excuse, dude. So Jeffrey Dale Tyner, I think I'm saying that right, was convicted of killing a James Salmu. Um, basically, this James Salmu was a, it was a pretty good guy. Um... He uh, invited uh, Jeffrey Tyner's um, 
girlfriend slash ex-girlfriend to come live with him with her three children while she was trying to get away from Jeffrey Tyner. And so James Salmu, being a good guy, letting this woman come and stay with her, stay with him uh, to uh, get away from the abuse. Um, she turns around and tells Jeffrey Tyner that he is a child molester. So Jeffrey Tyner, who actually claims that he's killed other child molesters before, goes over to James Salmu's house and and you know at the behest of his on an on again off again girlfriend named Carolyn Elkoff and uh, goes over there he's the knight in shining armor kills this guy because he thinks it's a child molester in reality who knows exactly what was going on there but the guy wasn't a child molester as far as anybody can tell and the prosecution looked into it a lot and uh, they're both well this uh Carolyn Elkoff is serving life in prison while uh, Jeffrey Tyner is, well, serving life in prison, but technically has a death penalty. And he actually says that he's killed another couple of child molesters, one of whom he killed when he was serving uh, some time in Folsom State Prison in California. And these are unsubstantiated claims. I mean, the guy's probably just trying to boost his ego up. David Lee Cox is currently on the death row here in Oregon because he killed another prisoner while he was serving a kidnapping, attempted murder, burglary, you know, a a laundry list of other felonies. While he was in prison, he stabbed another inmate to death, and uh, now he's got the death penalty. Um, In the past, actually, he was sentenced to death in 2000. In 1994, he was convicted of robbing a convenience store in Milwaukee, where he served some time in Wisconsin. And uh, during that robbery, he actually stole a police car and crashed it in a high-speed pursuit. So this is not a not a good dude. He ended up on death row because he stabbed another inmate. Is he a complete psychopath? Well, looking at his picture, he just looks like a complete dumbass. The next serial rapist pedophile murderer on Oregon's death row is named Martin Allen Johnson, and he was sentenced to death in 2001. And the crime that finally brought him down in 1998, he abducted a 15-year-old girl named Heather Faye Frazier. He drugged her to make her unconscious. He raped her, he strangled her, and then he threw her body off of a uh, bridge in Clatsop County that went over the Columbia River. Uh, Interestingly, when they were investigating him after this crime, they found uh, a bunch of information that he kept on file about 200, you got that number right, 200 teenage girls that he had sexually abused over the years. So he was keeping tally. So this guy was a monster. He's ruined a lot of lives. And who knows how many other murders he may have committed, but this is the one they got him for. Um, he actually would go out to uh, to clubs, teen clubs, where uh, young people would hang out that didn't allow drinking, and he would pick up girls there, and he would ply them with alcohol and other drugs, and he would take advantage of them. 
Uh, this is not a, uh, this is not your friendly uncle, this guy. Well, this guy was a monster. Next on our list is Christian Michael Longo, and you've probably heard of him if you're into true crime. Uh, he basically killed his whole family and ended up on the FBI's 10 Most Wanted list. And I know that he actually, uh, you know, he was on America's Most Wanted. He was, uh, well, his story took a really weird turn. He fled to Mexico and then he posed as a travel writer in Mexico. A, a real guy who was, I don't remember his name, but he was a travel writer that was well known at the time. And this guy posed as him, uh, Christian Michael Longo posed as this travel writer and got away with it for quite a while until he was finally spotted in Mexico and captured. And I'll just remind you of Christian Longo's crimes. He killed his four children, all under the age of four, and his wife. And he did this because he was experiencing... Uh, financial difficulties and he thought that this was a good way to get out of it and we've seen this happen before most notably in the cases of uh, John List and Christopher Watts among others anyway we're not going to talk about them today the next guy on our list is one of only two black men on Oregon's death row his name is Jesse Lee Johnson and he was simply convicted of stabbing his ex-girlfriend Sonny Thompson to death in her house in 1998 it took six years to convict him and that's a really long time for a trial to go on but there was a lot of delays next on our list is the only other black man on Oregon's death row Michael Andre Davis and he was convicted of killing a couple of people um, Basically, he shot them dead in a motel room in Portland. And he wasn't actually caught for those murders right away. He went to prison for something else, um, basically for some robbery, burglary charges. And while in prison, like a genius, he told some other people about the murders and they ratted him out. In 2007, Jason Van Bromwell was sentenced to death. He was actually currently serving a prison term for the murder and robbery of a convenience store clerk, which happened in 1994, which he only got life in prison for, and he got extra life in prison because he killed another inmate while serving his life sentence and got the death sentence. And, well, I just keep saying it, um, there is no real death sentence here in Oregon. So Jason Van Brumwell's accomplice in the 2007 prison murder was named, is named Gary Dwayne Hagen, and he was actually serving a life sentence for beating his ex-girlfriend's mother to death in 1981, and that happened when he was 19 years old. So he was already a lifer. He was uh, 45 at the time that he conspired with another inmate. Uh, Jason Van Brumwell, who we just talked about, to kill one David Shane Poland uh, in the state prison in Salem. And uh, they did this because they thought that their victim was a snitch. So, hey, why not kill him? They're both serving life already. And what do you do when somebody's serving life? I guess the only penalty you can really give them would be putting them in solitary confinement, which we don't do or simply giving them the death penalty. 
In 2006, a man named Ricardo Serrano found out that his wife was having an affair. So what does he do? He gets angry. He goes over to the guy's house. He doesn't find his intended target, but he does find his target's wife and two teenage children, and he shoots all three of them dead. So yeah, his uh, his heart, his broken heart, and his feelings were obviously more important than uh, his three victims, who did nothing except for, you know, be family members of his intended target, and two of them were children, you know, only 15 and 12 years old. So we're we're glad. Well, I'm glad he's on death row. Next, we have Mike Spencer Washington Jr., and he ended up on death row. Uh, for a crime he committed in 2004, and it took six years to sentence him to death. It was a long trial, and he actually killed a witness in another trial uh, that he was facing back in 2004. So he went out and said, uh, "Well, I'm said basically, uh, you know, I'm going to kill the witness so that I don't go to prison." It kind of backfired on him because now he's on death row. And what if I told you there's a father and son team that ended up on death row together for a crime that they committed in 2008. Bruce and his son Joshua Turnridge and this father and this father and son team, crime team, uh, they wanted to rob a bank so they planted a bomb in the bank. The bomb went off and it killed two police officers and blew the leg off of a third police officer. And the father tried to take the rap for his son, but due to some recordings and some good detective work, they were able to tie both of them to the crime. So they're both on death row. Next, we have the only woman who's on Oregon's death row. Actually, she's not on death row anymore. Her sentence was commuted earlier this year. Angela Darlene McNulty was sentenced to death in 2011 for beating and starving her 15-year-old daughter to death. And her uh, her boyfriend, husband, whatever you want to call him, uh, was sentenced to 25 years to life. And he uh, is basically getting the same sentence as her now because her trial, uh, there were some problems with it, so she was awarded a new trial in 2019. And... She was reconvicted and resentenced in 2020 and is now serving life without parole, which uh, there's not a, you know, it's kind of like uh, it's apples to apples here. I mean, you get the death penalty here in Oregon and it's just life in prison. Curiously, she is only the second woman to ever be sentenced to death in Oregon. And the other woman who was sentenced back in 1961, Gertrude, uh, what was her name? Not Gertrude. Uh, Janice Freeman. Um, she and her lesbian lover, Gertrude Nunez, uh, conspired to throw uh, Gertrude Nunez's two young children off a bridge and kill them so that they could go off and uh, have a fun life without children. Um, I know that her sentence was uh, eventually commuted and she was able to get out of prison and... She, uh, she lived for a number of years, I think, working for a telecommunications company after getting out of prison. Um, I don't remember all the details of that case, and I'm not going to look it up right now. So we're almost done. Isaac Creed, Creed Agee 
That's a, he's got a lot of vowels in a row there. Isaac has two A's, Creed has two E's, and Agui has two E's. Anyway, he's another guy who was sentenced to death after he was already serving a 54 to life sentence, which is basically a life sentence for a crime he committed back in 2004. Well, uh, you know, he's obviously a pretty dangerous guy. He had a long history of assaults and attempted murder and all that kind of stuff going on in his, in his history. And he finally killed somebody for real once he got into prison, stabbed somebody else to death in their prison cell. And now we're getting to the good part. Yeah, good part. We have our only bona fide serial killer on Oregon's death row. Dayton Leroy Rogers. You gotta love these middle names. They're always Wayne, Dwayne, Leroy. And he was actually sentenced to death four separate times from 1989 to 2015. And he had a foot fetish. And what he would do is he would pick up sex workers. He would strangle them or kill them uh, with a knife. And then he would cut their feet off and keep their feet around so that he could, I guess rub on them or look at them or I got I have no idea what a foot fetish serial killer does with the feet but anyway uh, maybe they were like lucky rabbit's feet to this guy I don't know um what a sick fuck anyway uh he'll never be getting out um and he'll probably never be getting executed uh maybe we'll do a, a whole episode on him at some point because there's a lot of information about him he was active for quite a while he's probably got more murders than the six he was convicted of and his trials were actually uh, quite interesting he kept getting off on legal technicalities and they kept having to retry him over and over and over again the last inmate on Oregon's death row the most recent death sentence handed out was in 2015 uh, to David Ray Bartold. And uh, if you see a picture of this guy, he literally has his entire face and neck tatted all the way around with all kinds of, well, I guess he's trying to make himself look scary, I, I guess. I don't know. Not that scary. But, um, yeah, he's definitely a bad dude. He's He was sentenced to death because he was serving some time in the Marion County Jail, and he stabbed another inmate to death. Um, and thus uh, found himself on trial for his life and was subsequently convicted and is now serving death slash uh, life sentence. Um, uh, so that anyway, that's who's on Oregon's death row right now. Um, if you're pro-death penalty, I want you to think about why you're pro-death penalty. Do you think that it is just? Do you think it's moral? Do you think it's ethical? Um What's the point of the death penalty? I mean, are we ever going to really see a country without a death penalty? It seems like we're moving in that direction. Uh, do you think our society was better off when we just killed people when they committed these heinous acts, you know, instead of putting them in life, you know, putting them in prison for the rest of their life and paying for them? We just got them out of the way and, uh, you know, hung them, shot them, uh, that's another interesting question. If you had to face the death penalty, would you prefer to be put in the electric chair? Eh, that doesn't sound very good. Would you prefer a firing squad? Would you prefer being hung? Hanged, I think is the way they say it. They don't say hung, they say hanged. Uh, would you prefer 
lethal injection. I mean, it seems like we're moving towards a kinder, softer way of killing people with lethal injection. Um, would you prefer to be killed however you killed your victim? Stabbed, shot, strangled, uh, having a ton of bricks or a piano dropped on you out a window? Uh, who knows? Uh, if you are anti-death penalty, I want you to think long and hard as to why you are anti-death penalty. I always like to say that I was talking to one of my neighbors today, and I don't like to kill anything unless I'm going to eat it. If I'm going to go hunting, I'm going to eat it. Uh, recently, I, uh, I had to kill some squirrels, and it didn't feel very good. Uh, so I shot a squirrel, and it's going to make cat food out of this squirrel because I don't want to waste it. And I was going to tan its little squirrel hide. And there's not a lot of meat on a squirrel. Uh, I don't know if you've ever killed and dressed a squirrel before. Um, but I like to share my my property. Uh, I like to share the world with animals. And it doesn't feel right to even kill a squirrel, for me at least. And I did notice that there is a couple of poached deer down the road from me in front of an abandoned mine shaft. Somebody pulled over and left the deer corpses there. Uh, sawed the antlers off of one of the bucks, but didn't take any of the meat. And I just don't understand how you can kill something without a purpose um, for fun. But maybe that's just me. Um, I know most of my listeners are good people, and they probably wouldn't even kill a squirrel or a deer or whatever. Um, anyway, that's a totally different subject. But if you are against the death penalty, why? If you are for the death penalty, why? Maybe write out a list of pros and cons. Uh, I've thought about it, and my pros are, you know, get them out of the way, um, punish them. Is it a deterrent? Uh, I think most people who are going to commit these kind of crimes are going to do it regardless of the penalty. Um, is it because we want to save taxpayer money? Uh, obviously, the death penalty as it is right now does not save taxpayer money. There are endless appeals, and it costs us a lot more money than just sentencing somebody to life in prison. Is it morally wrong to kill people? Do you believe there are religious convictions that you hold yourself that make it immoral for our society to put these people to death and if you're pro-death penalty do you enjoy it do you get some kind of satisfaction out of watching somebody die uh, they used to televise them it used to be able to go to public executions in your town uh, this is uh this was really common uh you know a couple hundred years ago or you know, a thousand years ago, you got ex you executed a lot of people, right? And uh, children and people alike um, would come and they would take souvenirs from the body. Um, oh, another method of being executed, maybe burned at the stake. Uh, would you prefer to be burned at the stake? Ah, geez, none of these options seem that good except for lethal injection. I mean, you get high and you go to sleep and you're, you're dead. You go the way of uh, Jimi Hendrix or uh, go the way of... Uh, God, who else is famous instead? Oh, go the way of Elvis. Well, I mean, dying on the toilet. Uh, who knows? If Elvis is even really dead, maybe he's serving life in prison somewhere. I don't know. Well, if you stuck it out throughout my entire episode where I list off all the people on Oregon's death row, I hope you were entertained. Um, and if you weren't that entertained and you stuck it out anyway, uh, would you rather be put to death than listen to me do another episode like this? Uh, I hope not. Um, next time, uh, I think I'm going to look into previous death penalty cases uh, that are historical, people that aren't on death row anymore. 
I actually found a couple in my research that are fascinating. Um, or if you want to hear something, if you have a case from your local area and you're in the Pacific Northwest, by all means, reach out to me on Facebook or on Instant Messenger. Uh, send me an email, deathmysteries at gmail.com, deathmysteriespodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget the podcast. You can also leave me comments on uh, on iTunes. You can leave me comments. Uh, please give me a review. That'd be awesome. Uh, you can go to my YouTube which is Death Mysteries. Uh, just search Death Mysteries on YouTube and uh, watch my videos if you haven't already seen them. I think they might even be better than the podcast. Uh, at least there's a little bit more to them in that you get to watch something. So um, that's about all I got for tonight. It's after midnight. I'm exhausted. My voice is starting to crack. And uh, it's exhausting talking about the death penalty and thinking about all these horrible crimes. That's yeah, it's mentally exhausting. It's it's hard to do. Okay, I'm rambling. You're going to want to kill yourself or have the state kill you if I go on any further. <laughs> <laughs>